Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Yo, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am John Schmelk. Jonathan Casillas, Lance Meadow, 201-939-4513. We'll try to get to your calls. Giants getting ready to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville on Sunday. Jaguars 2-4, and four, Giants 5-1. and one. Giants with the best record of football of teams playing this week because the 6-0 and oh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles are not playing, the 5-1 and one Bills are not playing, and the 5-1 and one Vikings are not playing, all in their bye week. So right now the Giants are the best team in the NFL that's playing this week record-wise. And it'll be fun to see how that goes. Gentlemen, I had a lot of chance to talk about this game with Howard Cross yesterday, so I'll kind of set you all up, and I'll let you guys do most of the talking. Uh, JC, let's start with you. Young offense, you know, quarterback second year, running back second year. They got not a true number one wide receiver, but a bunch of guys that can play and a kind of a, you know, receiver by committee type of approach. What do you see about the Jacksonville offense that you like, and what do the Giants have to do to slow it down? I see some similarities in the Giants offense and, and the Jaguars offense. You got a young quarterback who, you know, is a dual threat quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has a tremendous arm. You know, I don't know if Daniel Jones has that type of arm, but the running capabilities is there. He's not running as much as Daniel Jones, but he can create. He has some rushing touchdowns on the year. And he's a dangerous guy when he's sitting in, in the pocket and he's protected. Travis Etienne and James Robinson, these running backs, are good running backs, solid running backs. And just like uh, last week, you know, with, with Drake, Etienne's kind of similar to that, you know, with, and we had some problems. Probably a little faster even, to be right. honest the with you. The Giants had some problems last week in, in, in containing him. You know, so definitely look, uh, the Jaguars definitely going to look to run the ball. They're going to definitely look to run the ball to have, to, uh, to open up, you know, some lanes for the play action pass. And they're getting the ball to Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Jamal Agnew, Marvin Jones, and then a former Giant in Evan Ingram, who's, I think he's having a pretty good year this year. So this is an offense that, you know, uh, defensively, you know, the Giants are going to have to step up for and have to put pressure on this quarterback and and do a good job in stopping these running backs. You know, and Lance, just to kind of follow up, and you can take this however you want, I think what's kind of been lost in the Giants' performance on defense this year, you know, they're only giving up 18.8 points per game, which is excellent, 14th in yards per game. 
They are last in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. Yep. 32 of 32, yep. 5.61 yards per carry. And so they're going to struggle stopping a Jaguars team that wants to run at Lance. And on top of that, on the other side, the Jaguars stopped the run really well, which is the Giants' bread and butter, right? So I think this is a tough matchup for the Giants when you look at the running the ball on kind of both ends here. Well, plus Jacksonville probably could get Foley Fadakasi back, who's their best run stopper, who's missed the last two games with a quad injury. Well done on that name, by the way, Lance. Participant. Good job. Excellent. Yeah, well, Amazing. he's a former Jet, so the New York, <laughs> New Jersey area should be somewhat familiar with him, and it should roll off the tongue relatively easy from that standpoint. But he was a big guy on the defensive front that I think helped really set the tone in their run defense early in the season. Then he missed the last two games, and you saw there were some issues on that side of the ball. And Mike Caldwell, their defensive coordinator, was even talking about that this week week when he spoke with the media so if they get him back you know you figure yeah they're obviously going to hone in on Saquon Barkley and they want this to be a Daniel Jones game no team see this has been the biggest issue I think for most opponents and this deserves credit for the Giants coaching staff the leads haven't gotten away from the Giants and they haven't been put in a hole which is overwhelming where they've had to abandon the run so as long as the Giants stay within striking distance, you could still commit to Saquon Barkley. If you get down by three touchdowns, and we haven't necessarily seen that, do the Giants have to now start singing a different tune? Because interestingly, guys, if you look at the Colts game against the Jaguars last week, that game was competitive. But Frank Reich felt Matt Ryan was in sync with his receivers. They were winning on the crossing routes, and he threw the ball 58 times. I find it very hard to believe that the Giants would even consider yeah, no. that ratio. <laughs> So, and by the way, Lance, the Colts threw it 58 times. Matt Ryan was not sacked once. Exactly. That's got to yeah. be some type of record, right? I mean, it's that's crazy. insane. <laughs> yeah, considering the Colts' offensive line has had trouble, whereas the yeah. Giants' offensive line has been, you know, hit or miss throughout the course of this season. So I don't think they're going to go in that direction regardless of how this game plays out, which means the Jaguars know the Giants are going to run the ball. The Giants are making it clear they're going to run the ball. And if they can have success and stay in some manageable third downs and keep the ratio pass to run even like the last few games then there's no reason why they can't be well within striking distance in this contest yeah look I, I agree with you 100 percent you know and we've talked about this Jaguar defense a little bit and Jonathan we talked a lot about Josh Allen and, and Trevon Walker I think that the guy that's been missed 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 in this conversation part of me is Devin Lloyd who was their other early round draft pick this year He's a hell of a linebacker, man. I, you know, watching him coming out, I thought he was a little bit light in the butt. I didn't think he'd be great against the run. I thought he was a little hesitant around the line of scrimmage. But, boy, he has balled out. He has a couple interceptions. He's got six passes defended. Uh, he's been good against the run. I think he's quietly been, you know, frankly, probably better than Trevon Walker has been so far this year. Well, I've seen some good things on him in, on tape, and then I've also seen him get exposed well, a couple a times. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's in pass coverage, you know, and then we got – you know, uh, Saquon is leading the, t- the team in receptions this year with 18 receptions. So he's going to have his hands full. Look, when I look at this, this you know, the, the giant stats, right? And I look at uh, uh, passing, of course, it's all Daniel Jones. Rushing yards, Saquon Barkley. Rushing touchdowns, Saquon Barkley. Rushing average, Saquon Barkley. Receptions, Saquon Barkley. So the, <laughs> the, the linebackers, Allen, Devin Floyd, uh, Olakon, uh, Tra- uh, Travon Walker, they're going to have their hands full playing in the box against Saquon because Saquon is going to do it running the ball and he's going to do it uh, receiving the ball as well. And, you know, the the way that Mike Kafka is coming at these game plans every single week, he's missing, he's mixing it up, and we're seeing a different wrinkle from this offense every single t- time they come out. But 
And I counter all of that by saying the guy that runs this team, Doug Peterson, is 8-2 and two versus the Giants. I mean, I know that was at a different squad, but that says something. He might. He's a good coach. He might. Well, he's just as creative, Jonathan. Him exactly. And Press Taylor, he might so have yeah. the Giants' number. I mean, you know, it, it just sometimes that happens. You know, and then you got Coughlin down there as well with a lot of influence on the team. So I mean, we'll see what happens. But look, I I expect a lot of success from the Giants' run game and passing game because I do see some flaws in there. And with Fatukasi, yeah, you got it. Being go. now, it was, you got wasn't it. as good as Lance. Not um, as good, and then man. Even, and, and by the way, and you got a Luacon, which isn't easy either, by the way. Well done. <laughs> and with, with Shaquille Griffin's health questionable with his back, you know, I think we have some opportunities to, you know, exploit them on offense. Yeah, and, you know, Lance, this is a, a typical conversation we have, right? If you look at a weakness of the Jaguars, and this is the number that I, that I found on, you know, uh, via stats this week, on passes thrown more than 20 yards in the air, Jaguars opponents have a quarterback rating of 132. That is the second highest in the NFL. But we don't throw the ball down the field. Yeah, that's the key. And this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going, right? So this is the, you know, unstoppable force meets the immovable object or or like whatever the reverse of that is, right? So can can the Giants actually take advantage of what maybe the Jaguars' weakness on defense is, Lance? And I think – it's good to have Wanda Robinson back. Maybe you can get him into space and you know down the field in some of these plays. But if there was ever a game where the Giants can maybe get the ball downfield, this would be it. But as we always talk about, you actually got to go out and do it. It's not just the opponent weakness that makes the difference. Well, plus, they're coming off a game in which they played the worst passing defense in the NFL in Baltimore, and Daniel Jones only threw for 173 yards. Yeah, you make so- a good point. If that is not the writing on the wall, then I don't know what is. I understand your point, and yes, the Jaguars have struggled in the secondary. There's no doubt about it. You had Shaq Griffin. He gave up the game-winning score to Alec Pierce last week against the Colts. He's now dealing with a back issue, which means his status is in question. They could be turning to Trey Herndon, somebody a little bit deeper on the depth chart. There's some movable pieces back there. I just I don't think... The Giants are of the philosophy, and this goes back to my initial point, and Brian Dable's been preaching this. They are who they are, meaning they're not going to kowtow to the needs and weaknesses of the opposition. If they're a running team, they're going to run the ball against you, whether you're third against the run in the NFL or you're 25th against the run. They're not looking, well, they're 29th against the pass, so we need to get out of character no, totally and we're going to throw the ball 35 times. I'm I just, I don't think they're going to do that. So I'm, unlike previous years, John and Jonathan, I'm not getting too caught up in where the opponent ranks because mm-hmm. I think the Giants have proven over these first six games they have an identity. They're going to stick with it. I think it would be a very surprising development if they start attacking the Jaguars heavily through the air. I think if the Giants can open up the run game, they can also protect Daniel Jones to at least get rid of the ball so he can get the ball to Wandell Robinson and maybe Saquon in the flat they should set themselves up for some manageable third downs in this game. But you don't have to throw 40 times to take a couple shots on early downs off play action. So that's what I'm thinking, Lance. Well, do they have the weaponry, though, to do that, too? That's that's the question. That's what I was going to say. Look, that's what I was going to say, Lance. We we sit there, watch these games, and every single, right before the half, right that that two-minute drive, I'm always like, what are we we doing here? They play very conservative. Very conservative, but I think that's very indicative of the offense. The offense is not a, a, a... Lance used the word not just two minutes ago. He said attack. The Giants offense doesn't really attack guys. They don't really attack teams. They don't throw the ball downfield. And it might be because of the guys that are playing for us. Or, you know, Kenny Galladay. 
can we get something from him? Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony, right? and it doesn't look, look like either of the guys are playing this week. By I'm, the way. Right, I hope. <laughs> Godly, <laughs> like you know, I, like the reason why I keep every week I want to keep saying these guys' names because I, I want them to play well for the New York Giants. Well, because they need them. Right, a hundred percent. There is like you know, Richie James, solid receiver. Kenny Galladay. At one point, was he the highest paid at one point, maybe for like a day or something like that? If he wasn't, He's up there, but he was up yeah, there, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So we paid him to be one of the premier receivers in the league, right? When you draft a guy in the first round, Kadarius Tony, got to be a premier receiver at eventually a two or something. And then I think Wondell Robinson, of course, he came off the injury. Mm-hmm. He showed, okay, already. Okay, all right, we like this second round pick that we spent on this guy, right? But we got to have the guy show up that's supposed to show up. And that means getting healthy. You know, the two best abilities is accountability and availability, right? And that's what they haven't been, the receiving core. And once the Giants get a solid and accountable and available receiving core, I think the offense can expand and they can start attacking people. I just don't think it's going to happen this week. Yeah, and I think to both your guys' point, Jonathan, I think you made a great point at the decisions the coaching staff has made in terms of how they've handled these end of first half situations, and they've gotten the ball back like one forty five, three timeouts. timeouts. Like, yep. like this is not like they are. You know, they have it at their own five yard line with fifty seconds, no timeouts. Like they could be aggressive here, but they're choosing not to because of the way the team's structured, right. and that's just what they're dealing with. So I do think that's a really good point. I think that is an indication of of, of how they want to attack here. Lance, anything else you want to hit on this game before we get well, to the Well, I mean, I think the other thing it ties into maybe the conservative approach that Jonathan was talking about is you know, do they want to put Daniel Jones in a spot where maybe he's prone to trying to be too aggressive and then makes a costly turnover yeah. and field position shifts and then a team gets a field goal with 10 seconds to go or something like that. And by the I way, we think... saw that a ton last year, by the way. Sure, it that's why <laughs> I don't think it's a coincidence this year that Daniel Jones his turnovers are down, his ball security is up because they're not putting him in a position to yep. put the ball in harm's way. I think both of those things are synonymous Protect with one him another. from himself. Basically. Exactly, yep. mm-hmm. exactly. 100%. That's exactly what I was getting at, Jonathan. I'm with both so, you guys. so that's why it's interesting when I was listening to Jonathan lay out, well, as they get these guys back, maybe they expand the offense. I don't know, guys. Mm. I don't know if necessarily they flip the green light on and say, Daniel, you know, let's start taking 40 yard shots down the field. But I think they could be more effective when they do, though. You know what I could, mean? They and they should because right. you need those explosive plays through the air. You can't expect Saquon and Wandell to get five-yard catch and turn it into a 40-yard gain every single time. So I'm with you. You need to take some chances down the field with Darius or whoever else is on the field. I just I think right now they're content with playing keep away, I guess for the lack of a better phrase, guys, is what I mean, meaning you know we're going to sure. keep the ball away from the opposition, but we're going to protect the ball ourselves. We're going to methodically move the ball down the field. We're not going to press the envelope. And you know what? If you can win that way, so be it. There's no need to think a little bit outside the box and put Daniel in a position where he's trying to thread the needle, and all of a sudden, the interceptions and maybe the fumbles start to go yeah, back Yeah, the way up. I described it, Jonathan, and I'd like to get your take, I used a boxing analogy yesterday. It's just 10 rounds. Jab, jab, yep. jab, jab. Yeah. Protect, 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 jab. Watching those old uh, Floyd Mayweather fights. Yep. They were boring fights. He just gets, he, he gets his shoulder up, he gets his <clears> head, <throat> and you just can't hit him. And the Giants just seem to want to get to a point in the second half where, you know, they might not be winning on the scorecard at right. that point, right? Right. But 
they're just not getting hit with the haymaker. They're not going down. And they're trying to win a TKO or just wait in that 11th to 12th round. The opponent drops and his gloves in one around. shot, right. and then you, you land it, and you land it. And that just seems to be the approach here. And I think Lance made a good point, and so did you. If you try to be a little too aggressive early and a couple of mistakes happen, then that game plan kind of gets thrown out the window. You go down three scores, then all of a sudden you got to play a different way, and this team doesn't want to have to play a different way. I, look, that's a that's a great analogy. I I love to use boxing analogies as well. And since you brought up uh, uh, Mayweather, yeah. So y'all remember when Mayweather fought McGregor, right? McGregor was getting off early. He was hitting Mayweather kind of a like a more than we've seen Mayweather get hit, mm-hmm. right? And then at the end of the fight, of course, he got knocked out with TKO. But Mayweather, you know, ended the fight just as we all kind of thought would happen. But the the fight didn't go as we thought, but it ended how we thought, right? Do you know what? McGregor said about Mayweather after that fight. I did not. What did he say? He's like, he don't hit hard. He's not fast. He's not really strong. He's just so composed. <laughs> he's like, he's so composed. He's so, And he kept on saying, he's so composed. He's so composed. He's so composed. <laughs> and he's right. Mayweather is the most composed boxer ever. Very disciplined. That's what Very you're seeing from the Giants. Ooh. You're seeing two words, grit and composure. They're they're gritty because they're fighting all they're fighting all game. No matter what happened, they're fighting all game. And they have the composure to, to end games when they're not in games. You know, usually it's like we're in the game or we're up by a couple, we end the game, right? These guys are down 10 points, and they're coming back. In the fourth quarter. With the grit, <laughs> yeah. keeping their composure, and catching the interception, first interception, catch the interception, because if that would have been a drop, the game would have went the other way, yep. right? You got to make mm-hmm. those plays. You got to keep your composure. The Giants, I think right now in the league, they're the best gritty and composure teams in the league right now and definitely that's playing this week and I'm gonna throw the third word in there and that's disciplined because the coaching staff is disciplined they never get out of their game plan on either side offense or defense and Daniel Jones has been disciplined yep you're telling me he's not sitting there sometimes I got a (laughs) one-on-one cover I'm one-on-one deep here I think I can get that ball in before the safety gets over you don't think he wants to do that of course he does any quarterback and wants he's to do taking that. sacks this year instead of throwing interceptions or he's running quickly right. instead of trying to stay in the pocket to maybe wait for somebody to come up he's there it's all so disciplined so you're right grit composure discipline. discipline lands that's how the Giants have continued to win these games and they'll try to do it again against the Jaguars on Sunday I think that Tennessee interception in the end zone was a bit of a turning point when Dable had a conversation with him about, hey, yeah. you know, we don't need you to put the cape on and be the hero. Right. If you got to throw the ball away, throw the ball away. And who cares if it's an ugly, grinded out type of victory? I think Daniel got the message. And clearly, if you look at his decision making from that point on, it's been fairly on point. Because remember, the interception he threw against the Cowboys still slipped. So oh, yeah, I'm that not saying, fault, no. yeah, that Daniel, if Sills didn't slip, could it have been picked? Perhaps, well, and but his, that and his clearly fumble, contributed to and it. And his fumble last week was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half. You yeah, know? exactly. Whatever. No harm, no foul yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So all in all, you know, once again, you look at his decision making since that opener against Tennessee, Dable had the conversation with him, and I think he understands that. The Giants also remind me a little bit of San Francisco 49ers football with Jimmy Garoppolo when they made the run to the Super Bowl, and I'm not insinuating a deep postseason run. That's not my point. My point is they're content with if they could put together a drive where they have 10 plays and they run the ball 10 times, the Giants would be more than content doing that. Because, right, we've seen, guys, there's some drives where they have 10 plays, seven of them are runs. And I'm not talking about just Saquon. Daniel will run. They'll involve Breida. They'll do that. And the opposition knows it's coming, just like when the Vikings and the Packers played the Niners in the playoffs a few years ago. 
they knew it was coming, and the Niners still ran the football. Yep. They're totally fine operating like that. And, hey, as long as you can accomplish it and stay in some manageable downs, continue to do it until somebody stops you. There's no reason to alter the game plan at this point. Lance, that's exactly what I was going to say. As the season goes on, there's a lot of film that's out there. And, of course, yep. the Giants have been mixing it up. So they got a whole bunch of stuff that they need to watch when you fit, when you face the Giants. But somebody's going to eventually catch on to what the sure. Giants are doing and slow them down. And I think the run to open up the pass, you can't just only do that the entire year unless – you're really beating the crap out of people physically every single game, and you have a lead, right? You have to pass to pass. We talked about open up the uh, the field by throwing deep passes down the field because they the, the Giants do have some speed guys. And throwing a deep pass, and it doesn't have to even be completed all the yeah, time. Yeah, go over or set up the run Just with the pass. Just throw yeah. up a deep pass. Now these corners and these safeties are not sitting on routes. So it's not only just run to open up the pass, but let's go deep to open up short passes as well. And the Giants have not done that yet, and that's why I'm saying these receivers, they need to do something for this offense because if, if it doesn't, they're going to figure the Giants out eventually because they're not multidimensional on offense, and it's just coming from Kafka's brain, not from the players playing. And I will say, I think this is the benefit of having a really thick playbook. You know, all the players, you know, I even, he was even Sterling Shepard. You know, he's been in this league a long time. And he knows, he goes, I talked to him, like, what was it, in June? He goes, John, this is a big playbook, yeah. man. And, when, and you have the veterans telling you that right. something's complicated. Right. And he's been around a lot of playbooks. That, sadly, <laughs> yes. Yep. A lot of playbooks. And that's when my eyebrows kind of went up and like, all right, this is not just young guys, you know, getting used to the NFL. This is legit. Like, this is a thick playbook. So, my hope, Jonathan, and I, I agree that the more you see a, a new coaching staff with a new team, the more teams are going to figure out how they operate and how they're doing things, and that always happens in the league. Heck, we see it with, with even McVay and the Rams every year, right? right? You kind of see them adjust to him, and then they try to adjust back late. Sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't. Last year they did. And I'm hoping the thickness of the playbook and the creativity that Kafka brings from one system, Dave will bring from another, can maybe hold those Wolves at bay for yeah. a little bit, so this can kind of which keep it has it has already it has yeah, already for sure mm-hmm. for sure. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, it's really good. Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
All right, let's get to it, guys. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. As a reminder, folks, go out there, subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast. The podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts. An episode midweek featuring an interview with a national reporter analyst covering the NFL. And then we have our Friday game preview. I have a long-form interview with a current Giants player. This week, it's Xavier McKinney. Bob Papa has an exclusive sit-down with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. And then Lance and Paul do an opponent preview of that week's opponent this week. It's Mike DiRocco from ESPN. He covers the Jaguars. He's done a lot of our draft stuff in years past, too. So make sure you check it out. Search for the Giants Huddle Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen on the Giants app or go to Giants.com slash podcast. And that podcast is up, by the way. I see it on the website. So make sure to go uh, check it out. Listen to it as soon as we're done. Not while we're going. Don't tune out. But once <laughs> we're done, go check it out and make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Giants Huddle Podcast. For some reason, BBK still is like two times the number of subscribers. So if anyone listening goes and subscribes to that, you'll be helping us out. All right, let's get to the phones. 201-939-4513. Cliff is in New York. He will lead us off. Hello, Clifford. Hey, how you doing, John? What's up? Um, uh, I got a couple of things about uh, facing the, the Jaguars and, and our offense. But before that, uh, I want to ask about Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. Um, uh, when, when he first came back, Jonathan pointed out that he was wearing a knee brace and, and that, that that, you know, was, a, was an issue, was a factor. And we've, we've all seen him, you know, to our delight, get a lot better each week. And I'm just wondering if uh, that's still going to inhibit him and we're never going to see – what he can really do until that brace comes off. Was he on a was he in a brace though last week? Yeah, he was still yeah. in the brace. He had to protect the knee, you know, and and that's the thing when you when you get hurt so early in the season, it's like wow, this is gonna be a long season. I've been there so many times, and and the, the knee is gonna protect him, but it's also gonna limit him, you know. Like the the the, the reason why most of the pass rushers, especially if somebody like him who's not a big guy, he's not a huge pass rusher, not right? Two forty five, right? He's not a big, you know, but the way he bends. The way he can bend, the way he can turn a corner, his speed and his burst and his agility. That's what sets him apart. He's like a, speed a young Von He's a Miller. Rusher. Like a young Von Miller. Maybe like not a, that bendy. Like but a yes. young Alden Smith. <laughs> but similar, very yeah. similar mm-hmm. to how they bend. And they're not, like I said, not big guys, but guys that play the leverage game. And the way you leverage is by bending. And bending comes at your hips and it comes at your knees. So 258, by the way. It's I'm gonna sorry. it's definitely gonna have some type of limitation to him. So we're gonna see maybe 80% max of what he could possibly do given the knee injury, the early knee injury. And then you could throw the brace in there as well, but the knee injury is going to slow him down yeah. just a little bit. And Cliff, my sense just watching him, I don't see all the explosion back that I saw up close at camp yet. I still right. think, I think he's done a good job against the run. He's done all those responsibilities well, but I, I still feel like there's some explosiveness left in the pass rush that hasn't quite and shown And it might up not yet. get there this year given that it's really hard to get healthy. After the bye week possibly? Yeah, maybe. But this is sure. a, a knee injury where... Like this is like you got to be off for like two months and then start rehabbing and get back, and you don't have that time when you get hurt during the season. It just doesn't happen because you're going to continue to get hit every single game. Or you're so, on like, it, running around it, on it, yeah, it's exactly. Practice, like, because he's not yeah. missing practice, right? He's playing, he's uh, practicing. No, he's been practicing, so he's yeah. not resting the knee. Which anybody that gets hurt, you have to rest. Like that's just what it is. But during the season, you can't. It just doesn't allow that to happen. And when speed is a part of your game, like it is for him, it's definitely going to like inhibit him. You can't shut it well, down for a week or two, Jonathan, basically is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah you know, no, no, it's not. To do they're that. not going to do that. The, the yeah. Giants are not going to do it. If they didn't do it already, they're not going to do it now, unless he re-injures it, which is 
Now this conversation is going to happen again in another month. Well, and again, I, my, my guess is that if there was a risk of re-injury, they wouldn't have put him back out there. Right, but there's always they, a risk. There's always a risk. Yeah, well, I, Schmel, that's why he had the brace. Well, there's always right? a risk, but an elevated risk yes, of re-injury right, is right, right, right. Cliff, what else you got? Well, um, uh, in that case, I, I hope uh, uh, either Aziz or O'Shane or both are playing. But um, otherwise, uh, by the uh, way, Cliff, yeah. Cliff, just real quick, it does based on what Brian Dable said today. It doesn't look like Aziz and Aziz, Aziz and O'Shane are going to play. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, who's been? Well, we'll see who the next man up is. We've been we've been looking for that guy. From Come Penn on, State. Fox, baby, let's roll. Or they could elevate Quincy Roche yeah, too. That's too. another option. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he will be. I'm sure he yeah. will be elevated for sure. Okay. Uh, there was some encouragement earlier in the week. Uh, I think it was this week uh, on the pass pro when you looked at the uh, the 17 and 18 yard completions to um, Slayton and Wandale, and you looked at the pass pro, and there were only five guys blocking. Yeah, they and... had, uh, on their final drive of the game, or next, it was their final long drive. What well, wasn't the drive off of the Love interception? They had three pass plays where they didn't leave anyone into chip. And five guys blocked four and blocked them successfully. And I thought that was a nice step forward. Actually, I take it back. Once it was, they kept Saquon on because they blitzed the sixth guy off the edge. But they didn't leave guys into chip. And it was, all right, maybe we don't have to help the offensive line as much as we have been. I, Cliff, and you're right. I, I, I thought that was a nice step in the right direction. Well, well, uh, it can't hurt that Wandale should be on less of a pitch count, if any, this week. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Facing Coach Peterson, that was why I got nervous about this game starting at the end of last year. Okay, we finally get to play a poor team. Oh, no, they got this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, he's and, done a nice and, job turning that team around. Yeah, and, he, sure and he has. But since we faced him last, uh, there, there's light years difference in our coaching staff. And I don't, I don't mean that I was ever down on Coach Judge. I wasn't. But there was a lack of unity in the staff that we don't have anymore. We, these guys are all together. And I, I think that's as big as uh, Dable's leadership. So I'm, I'm not as scared as him as I was. But uh, I'll be looking forward to this game. Thank you, Cliff. Appreciate the call, man. All right. 201-939-4513. Don't miss Giants football at MetLife Stadium. Limited tickets are available for all remaining home games, including a matchup with the hated Philadelphia Eagles. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your games later this season and secure your seat. Kevin's in Florida. Kevin, are you going to be at the game, or are you not in the Jacksonville area? No, I'm not in the Jacksonville area. I'm down in uh, West Palm Beach. Yeah, that's a hike. So, <laughs> that's a hike. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about a four-hour drive, so I'm not going to be making it this weekend. But um, I do have Sunday tickets. I will be tuning in. Enjoy, sir. Um, what do you got? Gonna, thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing time and time again is, like, game by game, you know, day by day. That's how we approach things. And, you know, I feel like it's it's almost like rhetoric at this point that every single coaching staff has to take, especially when you're losing it, even when you're winning. Um, with Dable, there's something about it that it's just like I actually believe that. And there was this, it, there was a few interviews in the locker room. I think it was last week where they were literally, legitimately like asking about the future schedule to the players. Yep. And they were just like, yeah, yeah, I, I guess yeah, we might be able to win a couple, but like that's not really on my mind. And it, I actually like genuinely believe that. So I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, you, you're on the front lines more. You see this more day to day. What is that mentality like? Like, are these, is that like something that players actually buy into this day by day mentality? Or is it something that, you know, they really do keep thinking ahead? Because I find it so hard to believe with how well they're doing right now that they're just going to completely say, like, we're, oh, we might have a chance of winning the division. We are only one game back on the Eagles. We do have a nice stretch of four games where they seem like they could be victories. 
Um, just kind of curious from your guys. Well, I think our resident former player will be the best player to answer that. Go ahead, Jonathan. Absolutely. That is definitely something that not just the coaches do, but the players do as well. There were times, look, there were times I was playing, I didn't know who we were playing in two weeks or three weeks. Like, I'm so focused on the next week. And honestly, it didn't matter who we were playing the week after. It did not matter. Yeah, because you're not watching the it, tape it yet. It didn't or matter. Who cares? You know how I found out a lot of times who I was playing in three or four weeks when my dad be like, hey, man, I want to go to that Dallas game. And like, <laughs> hey, can I get some tickets for that Washington game? And I'm like, when, when is that? When is that? He's like, bro, it's next week. <laughs> But, yeah, man, I, I oh, think that's, that's the approach you got to have to it, you know, because these games, there's only 17 of them. It's, these games are very hard to win. Every single team is very talented and very well coached. And then if they're not, those guys are not in the league for a long time. They get out, right? So it's very hard to win. So you have to be focused week in and week out. You only have about four days to prepare for every single game, you know, and then you go and you go to war. You go to battle. And you can – you can have career-ending injuries in these games, right? Football is a serious sport. People can die playing this game. So you have to be dedicated every single moment of every single day when you talk about practice, when you talk about focusing and preparation, and then also for the games as well. Yes, I got a little bit serious because that's what football is. Football is a serious thing, especially to me because I played. But Schmelk is here. He'll tell you Lance is here. Football is a serious thing. People get hurt. People make careers out of this thing. We're making careers out of this thing, and we're not even playing. Yep, 100%. No, you're right. Yeah. It's serious no. business. And, you know, even, listen, when you prep for a game from a broadcasting perspective, Jonathan, to me it's very similar. You know, I'm not looking at who the Giants are playing in two weeks. Right now I'm more focused on the Jacksonville Jaguars and the ins and outs of what they do well, where they struggle, and so forth. So it's very similar to, you know, you as a defensive player. And think about the quarterbacks, right? The meetings you have on Friday where you're talking to the offensive coordinator, you're going over the plays you like, you don't like, or you're meeting with the offensive line. You think they got time in between that to start thinking about who they're playing in two weeks? And if they do, then my point would be maybe they don't belong in the NFL because they're not focusing on the task at hand. So I think everybody's so inundated, to piggyback off of Jonathan's point, at the assignment that week that even though it sounds cliche, I don't think there's enough time in the schedule to have the flexibility to get caught up in who's coming down the road in two to three weeks. And, and Lance, I, I do want to throw a little bit of a counter in there, especially when we're talking about, like, offensive plays and defensive plays. Some of these coaches have the foresight to be like, we're going to keep the vanilla for maybe the first few weeks just because we have a big game against this team, division rival, whatever it is. You we want to sure. show ABC right. so then we could do DEI. Right, exactly. So there's a little bit of foresight there, you know, but, like, for me, players-wise, I don't – think players do that like players are worried about who we're playing this week and that is it there's no foresight down the road like oh, I'm gonna do this move and then you know two weeks later I'm gonna do this move like no I'm gonna do my best moves for this game because that's what that's <laughs> yeah. what matters and look well, it's, it's and Lance I'm sorry just real quick it's just such a scheduled regimented deal where yeah it's a 17 game season but it's almost like a 17 individual week week mm -hmm. you know every week on Monday I'm starting from zero even with what I do. Yep. And then I build up. I have to accomplish yep. all the same things every week. Same with the coaches. You do third down. You do red zone. Yep. You do first and second down, et cetera, et cetera. And you build up from scratch every week. You get to 100. You play your game. Then you get to Monday. You're back at, back zero, at zero again. again. So that, that's how I kind of view it. And I think that's how Lance, a lot of the players view it too. Go ahead. No, I agree. I just What I was going to add to what Jonathan was saying is, Jonathan, I think what you were pointing to, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is more of coaches sometimes also getting feedback from the advanced scout who may be looking ahead at the op 
at the opponents because some of these guys, they're going on the road and they're watching the Seattle Seahawks. They're watching the Houston Texans and they're giving feedback to the coaching staff to anticipate things that they need to be looking for maybe a few weeks down the road. I just, I don't think the players have the luxury, which is I think no, what you were getting right, at. Right, right, exactly. Because yeah. I think Dayball has to, right? But it's like I do what I need to do because I'm the head coach but and you guys focus on what you have to do, which is the next opponent. Dayball, as a head coach, you know, he has to do everything. He has to manage the roster. You know, he has to worry about injuries. Like, you know, when you're a head coach, you got to worry about these things. But even, like, position-specific coaches, they're not really worried about stuff down the road. No, not, no, you know, no. they're not. Yeah. And then that goes right to the players. The players are only worried about, well, the good players. The great players that I've been around, they're worried about this day. What are we doing today? Today's Friday, Fast Friday, red zone, right? That's usually what happens on Friday, right? Saturday, what are we doing? What's in the game plan? Because if it's not figured out by Saturday, it is out of the playbook and we're doing something else or on Sunday. You know, so the guys are so focused week per week. And I think the more focus of a team, the more wins that you have. So I think the Giants are so dialed in right now and they are living on every word that Dayball says because when you're winning and everything's good, everything sounds so amazing that the coaches say. When you're losing, it doesn't sound so good. Yeah, and it goes, goes in one ear and out the other yeah. potentially. Yeah. And this goes back to the point the other caller made. Yeah, everything, everyone's together, everything is great, everything is awesome. Well, I would if you're not great and all together and everything is great when you're five and one, guess what? <laughs> you're gonna have problems when things start going bad. Right, so right, right. you know, you don't and, and we've said this a million times in the offseason, you know, you don't know how thing is how how um much something is going to last until you see how it deals with adversity in bad times. And fortunately, and let's avoid those as much as we can, please. Absolutely. The Giants haven't had to deal with many bad times so far, sitting at 5-1, and one, which is fantastic. Kevin, you have anything else? We, we, we totally, like, filibustered your call. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say uh, that was really that was in de- about as in-depth as I could have hoped for, so thank you. Um, no, I'll, I'll just close with this. You know, um, to all of your points, there was this, a lot of people talking this week, and they're like, this is the week where the Giants lose. They always drop a game to the, like, the quote-unquote inferior team, the team with the worst record, but they beat the good teams. And I'm just like, you know, guys, every year is a new year. This is a totally new coaching staff, and they're playing with a type of energy right now that, I mean, as a longtime fan, I've just, I haven't seen it in like probably since like the OA, you know, 12 Giants. Like, I mean, it feels like that energy again. And I'm just like, you got to take it week by week. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going down on this. I think the Giants have a legit chance against the Jags this weekend. And as long as they keep up this mentality, um, instead, you know, it's going to look good. So thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, they played six one-score games. So they've been in every single game. But, see, to me, it's just – it's more of the big picture in the NFL. There's been a lot of close games across the board, guys, if you've been monitoring what's going on around the league. So I don't look at it as – well, the Jaguars are 2-4, and four, so they're an inferior team. I mean, they've also played all one-score games. Their four losses are all by one score. Mm-hmm. It's about not overlooking any opponent and realizing that the old cliche on any given week, you just you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's been so many crazy games already this week and in previous weeks where you were like, well, where did this result come from? Yeah. Or this team laid an egg. Well, how about the Steelers last week? After the way they played two weeks ago and the Steelers come back, come and win that game last week? Who could have figured that? That's the yeah. beauty about the NFL. Exactly. You just don't know. Sure. Like, look at the NFC East right now. Right? Like, what? Nuts. No, no, not even the NFC East. Look at the whole NFL. Dude, it's Look like... at the teams that are at the top, and you're like, Philly? Wow. The Giants? Wow. The Jets? Like, what? No, I know. Dude, they're like, look, I think you have the Chiefs and the Bills, and I think they're kind of the class of the league right, right. now. 
Then you probably have around 18 teams where there really isn't that much difference between yep. those 18 teams, to be quite honest with you. Yep. We got to throw Philly in here, too. Yeah, so yeah, Philly, that's fair. Definitely yeah. Philly. That's fair. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. You can throw Philly in that There's top. There's not a lot of separation. No? Yep. If you even look at the playoff races right now, you got tons of teams bunched together yep. where you lose a game, you could fall from the fifth spot all the way to 12th yep. or something like that. No, Atlanta's 100%. Crazy look, there's only three teams that are 5-1 and one and one team that's 6-0. and oh. It and felt like Miami could have been in that group, too, if they didn't. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could have been. Yeah, Tua got hurt. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you yeah. on that, Pierce. I Which is another fair. example of how quickly your fate can change in the NFL yeah. right. as a result of everybody being look, bunched together. Three 5-1 and one teams, one 6-0 and oh teams, and a bunch of teams that are somewhere between 2-4 and four and 4-2. Four and two. Yeah. And, and, and those teams can be in any order. Right, and then, and then as the year goes, we all know the Steelers years ago started 11-0. Oh, right, and then uh-huh. by the end they were like the yeah. worst team in the league. By the time they finished that, and season. they got hammered in the playoffs. Yeah, they got hammered. smacked up. Mm-hmm. And and you know who knows right now? Hopefully the Giants no, don't follow that path. But you know, hopefully Philly does. Yeah, hopefully Philly can win as many games as they can, and then the Giants beat them twice, and then they suck in the playoffs, and the Giants. Skip, you know, you know what I'm saying? Of course, well, and- Jonathan. The, the old story <laughs> is you want to be playing your best football late. Yes. It's another line that's thrown out. But look at Tampa Bay. Two years ago, when they won the Super Bowl, yep. they were seven and five. Right. They got the bye. They won their final four games, and then the mm-hmm. rest is history. So there is some validity to if you peak a little too soon, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get hit by injuries, then the second half of the season doesn't live up to the expectations of the first half. More of a reason why you need to pace yourself in the NFL so that this way you don't get too high. You don't get too low. You stay even keel, and in the event you lose a player, you can at least maybe ride that wave as opposed to it just hits you and then sends you ashore, hey, essentially. John, which you we see there, with a lot of teams. You know this. Tom Brady and the Patriots were the kings of that. Mm-hmm. How many times in week five the Patriots were two and three or three and two and the offense doesn't look right? People are bailing. Brady's washed up. Oh, the error's finally over. And then 20 weeks later, they're in the damn yep, Super Bowl right, again. Right. They have it all the time. That, the year I went to New England, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. They went 0-2 to start the season, and I think it was a bad loss to the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I wasn't on, on Monday Night yet. Football. And they yep. got hammered. smacked. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, he's washed. We're talking about the GOAT here, Tom Brady. And this is before he won his fourth. So he's at three. And people were still like, Joe Montana's better than him. <laughs> like, you know, this is still the argument back in 2014. And then everybody's like, oh, he's washed. The Patriots are done. The dynasty's over or whatever dynasty that they thought it was is done. He should retire, blah, blah, blah. And when I got there, they didn't lose a game since that. And then we only lost one game after that. That was all you, right? <laughs> yeah, it was all me. <laughs> well, listen, this is what I say. Look, Lance, this is what I say. So, look, I got two Super Bowls, right? The first one, I, got, I was in New Orleans. New Orleans only won one, and it was the first year I was there. So, of course, you know, it was because of me, right? <laughs> I recovered the onside Good kick, luck charm. right? <laughs> now, New England, right, they've been at the cusp of winning the AFC every single year, like since Tom has been in the league, basically, mm-hmm. right? But they've won three in the first four or five years of his career, and then it was ten years Ten years until they won the next one. And you know why? Because they brought me in. <laughs> Obviously, there right? Okay, now one more thing. So what happened when you showed well, up listen, here? Listen. What one happened to the thing. magic? So listen, one more thing, right? <laughs> so then I get to New York, right? First year, we struggle. We bring in Ben McAdoo. Well, I guess we uh, uh, bring him up. We bring up Ben McAdoo. We bring him to uh, head coach. 2016, we're rolling. Yeah, we're rolling. We're 11-5. and five. And then you got hurt. 
And then no, no, I was still healthy. I was still healthy. And then the boat trip happened. Oh jeez, don't bring up the boat so trip. So I'm blaming oh. Victor Cruz oh, no. what are you and Odell no, no. Beckham Jr. Please don't open that no. because box. because Stop look, bro, it. I'm <laughs> telling you, you bring me in to win Super Bowls. Should, should I cut his mic? <laughs> no, 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 no. The reason, listen, Jonathan, the reason why I don't want you bring that up is because we're now gonna have to fight off phone calls that are now going to provide validity based on what you're. Saying. If I tell you how many I've had to field off over the years about how a boat trip influenced the level of success or the lack thereof against the Green Bay Packers, but I'd do you, have Dennis, plenty do you know how of many times They asked me, was I on the boat with them? <laughs> you Wait, weren't you driving picture. it? I heard rumors you were driving Lance, it. You weren't he, driving he it? Was the one, he was the one taking yeah. the picture. I was the photographer for <laughs> oh, sure. You were the photographer. Okay, gotcha. You took a really nice photo, by the way. You got everybody in frame, and the focus was beautiful. It was. So, congratulations. Oh, yeah. man. I was going to make a point. I, 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 I got nothing. I, I'm, I'm done. I, I have nothing. I got nothing. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Uh, 201-939-4513. I'm sure I'll pop back into my hollow head. Rick in Tampa, you're up next. Rick, what's up? <laughs> yeah, the boat trip was totally uh-huh. the cause of all see, the demise. See, see what you did? Here we go. <laughs> That's number and, and one. Justin, around with no shirt on in the cold, just trying to make up for not be, You know what? It, I'm, not, I'm joking around saying this, but listen, it had a lot to do with it, so we're not going down that road Let's now. talk some Jaguars football. Like, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, what about what it did to Justin Bieber's music career? You want to talk about that next? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, yeah, well, first of all, let me say that, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, Jacksonville is only going to be mid-low 80s, so we don't have, uh, uh, Giants are going to have great weather. Uh, it's not going to be a, a Buffalo Bills, Miami uh, dying out there like they did a couple of weeks ago. So it should be nice weather. It's going to be gorgeous for the Giants. Uh, thank God the Giants are playing well because the Yankees have totally crapped their pants and looks like they as can, usual. They can, oh, every year it's the same thing. It's just so frustrating. Don't even so, get me um, started on that, Rick. Please. Yeah. Now listen, you, I always have to throw my Yankee point in because uh, late, they, thank God the Giants are playing well and Paul Paul's dance. The salsa worked out great. I have to say that was. Uh, uh, that Were you out there, Rick? Were you at the game? Did, oh, did you see it? No, no. Oh, okay. I, I heard you guys. I heard I was coming out of church, and I I put it on. It was right around the time when you laid it on him. Well, Rick, not, it, not, nothing goes with church like Paul Dottino salsing. I really, you know, <laughs> I think those goes hand in hand. So I think it's perfect. It does. The uh, I have a uh, two things. One is uh, this is. It's funny because this is our first road game, really, 
since the game one. Uh, yeah. for, first week. Because, it's the first uh, time that the, really the, the, the first time the Giants are playing in another team's building yeah. since September 11th exactly. against the Titans. It, Conventional it, road that, game. It, that's odd. And that's yep. odd. Very and odd. It, 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 and uh, you know what? I, I I don't two and four Jackson. What they are. You, their defensive linemen they are amazing. These guys that they have on that team. So I mean, I, and 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 Trevor is a great quarterback. So I I don't take them lightly. Whatever. That's why we're underdogs because they have a good team. And what do you think their defensive line, Allen and these guys and the, and Walker, present the most problem for the Giants? Because I think our offensive line, one of the keys to the victories over the last four or five weeks, has been our run blocking. And uh, it's just been amazing how well they are run blocking. I know pass blocking is another issue. So with the line that they present, Jacksonville, is it can, where do you see the Giants going with this? Because we say we could throw on them, but we, the wide receiver situation and the offensive line blocking may not give allow for us. So how do you think they're going to tackle that? Is it going to be they're going to run it? Go- Rick, they're they're they're, they're going to they're going to try to run the ball. And the other note too, it's not just their talent up front, and there is a lot of it, by the way. You know, Lance uh, mentioned Fatakasi. I think Trevon Walker is a better run defender, an all around player. than he's a pass rusher, very raw still as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. We talked about that when we led up to the draft last year. Josh Allen's a real deal. He's really really good. The other good okay. nugget that next gen stats had this week is the Jaguars load the box, so they put one extra guy up there as opposed to how many blockers the offense has. Second highest frequency in the league at 53%. So it's not just their front that's doing it. They're bringing that safety up into the box, too, to give help. So mm-hmm. they do everything they can to stop teams from running the ball. And the yeah. Giants, they've run the ball at least 25 times in every single game. And yeah. the 25 game was the loss to the Cowboys. So everything else that turned into a win was 31 or more. That's why when you ask, Rick, what are they going to do? They're going to run the football, and they're going to see whether or not Jacksonville could stop them. I think the other thing notable about the Jaguars is they've got two really good interior linebackers. Foye Oluokin is yep. excellent. I mean, he led the NFL in tackles last season, and he's leading mm-hmm. the Jaguars again. Devin Lloyd's made quite the impact as a rookie. If those guys can fill some of the holes in the second layer, you know, that's when all of a sudden the Giants are going to have to maybe think about throwing the ball. But until they do that, Giants are going to pound the football. I'm going to throw Chad Moma out there, too. He was a third-round pick out of Wyoming. He was a hell of a linebacker coming out of school last year. I thought he was a second-round pick. I think he's a really good player. And throwing this out there, too, the Giants, too, remember this, guys. They've had a lot more success running outside, off tackle into the perimeter than they have right up the middle. So how do those Jaguars' safeties coming to the box, the mm-hmm. corners, how do those guys tackle? Because that's what I think is one of the things that changed against the Ravens last week. The first half, they were trying to do a lot of stuff up the middle. Yep. You know, um, the big kid out of UConn, uh, Tony Tony Jones? Lance? Travis, Travis Jones. Jones thank about, you, yeah. yeah. So he was stuffing the, the, the middle. Calais Campbell was in there. Once they started going to the perimeter a little bit, I thought they had a lot more success in the second half against Baltimore. So my guess is that they're probably, Jonathan, going to do the same thing against Jacksonville. Well, that, that's this week. what you want to do. You know, you get a guy like Saquon basically one-on-one with either a corner or a safety. Like, that's a win every single time. And these linebackers can run around. They can fly around. They can make a lot of tackles. So that's what you want. But like we talked about a little bit earlier on the show, the Giants have to start passing the ball. I think a couple of deep shots a game. Maybe it starts this week. And like I said, it doesn't even have to be completions. When Tyrod came in the game, he threw an interception. But you know where that interception was at? It was deep down the field. It was inside the 10-yard line. It's almost like a punt. You know, and I'm not saying throw interceptions, throw deep balls, just throw interceptions. But – you get a lot of a lot of benefits come when you when you throw the well, ball down you the know, field. Jonathan, you're you're a defensive player. 
What happens to you as a linebacker, as a defensive player, when you see an offense is willing to take those shots? Tell Look, us. You have to honor that, right? And me paying linebacker, I'm always run first. So I'm kind of free, you know, with that. But your safeties, <laughs> your safeties, right? They're not playing at eight or nine yards. They're getting a little bit deeper. Okay. They're not sitting and waiting for that running back because they know they have some guy on the outside that if I'm not where I'm supposed to be at back here, he's going to have a touchdown. Big plays are what really change games. That's what we haven't seen from the Giants from the passing game. We've seen it in the running game from both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, but we haven't seen it in the passing game. And hopefully it starts this week because they need to do it eventually because maybe not the Jaguars, but somebody's going to be able to stop this run game. They're going to be able to stop this run game because you're not just going to run on everybody. Uh, uh, right. Henry, Derrick Henry, even though he's had 2,000 yards, and he doesn't do it every single game. Somebody stops him. At least one game out of the year, they stop him. And then what else do you have to do? Giants have to show up. These receivers have to show up. Our tight ends have to show up. And we have to protect our quarterback. Your Derrick Henry uh, example, it, the best way to spell that out, Jonathan, is the Bengals stopped him in the playoffs last year, and Cincinnati yeah. wound up winning that game. Right. So you I have think that to figure it exactly out. exactly what your point you is. You have yeah. to figure it out. Wrap it up, Rick. What do you got? So, so yeah, so if, if Jacksonville's game planning, what you just said, they're looking at the Giants going, that we haven't seen them – deep balls or anything all year and so we're going to say you got to have to show us you could do it so the starting uh wide receivers for this game are going to be what robinson you're going to have sills and slayton and uh tight end berenger is that got richie james too and richie james so all right so who's gonna you know no, when slayton robinson would would be your two guys to yeah. get down the field in that in that scenario right all right so they're gonna have to do that and far as looking ahead listen when we looked at this but uh, Baltimore and, and Packers games back-to-back, we all were thinking, I mean, fans, not you guys, but I was thinking, okay, we could split. You could, this, is a tough, this is a tough part of this first six, seven weeks, and then we actually win both of those games. And you're looking at Jacksonville, and then you're looking at Seattle before the bye. <laughs> With the three and three teams that are out there right now, we can't but help but just say, you know what, we're still the underdogs every week. Let's roll with that. Let's play our game plan, and let's see what happens. Because I tell you right now, we are looking ahead as a fan to what's coming up. So let's get past Jacksonville. This is going to be a tough game. We're going to earn it this week. Like I say, I say that every week. But we're going to earn it this week, and we're going to be – we may be the favorite next week if we win. All right? Thank you, Rick. <laughs> Appreciate it. By the way, at Seattle, always a tough place to play, just FYI. Yeah. And, and Rick actually reminded me of the prior point when I forget the previous caller brought up about, you know, not taking a team lightly. You know, just – when you talk about, and I'm, I'm going to quote Joe Judge here. I know Giant fans hate it when I do it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think he made a really good point when he said this last year. You know, the record sometimes, the winner of the loss doesn't indicate how well you necessarily played sometimes, right? Like, it can blind you to some things. When you lose, you lose sight of the good things you do. When you win, you lose sight of the bad things that you do, right? And that's just kind of, as a player, Jonathan, that's how it works, right? Yep. Winning is the ultimate south. Yep. And when you look at this this game coming up here, just just to give you a very basic, this is as rudimentary of a statistical analysis as you, as you can do. Defensively, Giants are ranked 14th in the league. Jaguars are ranked 11th in the league. Offensively, Jaguars are ranked 11th in the league, and this is yards per game. And the Giants are ranked, let's see, they're at 25. So the Jaguars... Yardage-wise, I've actually been better yeah, offensively paper. and defensively. Again, mm -hmm. and that take the paper, crumple it up, and throw it away. Yep. But when you're talking about being a favorite, being an underdog, overlooking an opponent, things like that, 
there's so many little things, and the, the line is so thin between winning or losing every week. You know, that's why fans, Giant fans are confused. Well, I don't understand the Vegas line. Why the Jaguars favored in this game? I don't get it. Well, they look at things like that yep. to determine who's the favorite every week. And again, this isn't saying that the Giants are fake 5-1. and one. No, they went out there and they played better football than the teams they played on that Sunday. And they earned those wins and they won those games and they earned them. But when you're projecting what's going to happen next, that's when you start looking at those underlying factors to figure out how the rest of the games are going to look. Vegas always knows something, though. Like, they dude, they, Well, they're like serious mathematicians. Do, like, oh, yeah, right? they're smart, dude. But as players, <laughs> I don't know if any caller will believe me. I did not pay attention to no lines ever. Oh, I believe I that. Mean, what, what difference I does it make? I never, yeah, ever you? did. Why would you? And I think only one time a coach brought it up, and is when we was playing in the Super Bowl, and we were four-point dogs to the Colts. And I didn't even know what it meant that we were getting four points. <laughs> I was like, all right, what does that even mean? Like, but so, so in a way, some of the guys did, of course. Safe to say Jonathan never got in trouble with the no, NFL gambling no, policy. No. Even, <laughs> and even now, like I'm on a gambling show and I can't even gamble because I'm doing work for the Giants. Of course you can. Yeah, oh, same thing gosh. here. <laughs> Lance, you had something that you want to say before we move to the no, call? No, I was just going to say that if – Vegas was 100% correct all the time, then maybe we should put some stock in it, but they're not. <laughs> yes. Right? Indeed. The team that's favored doesn't always win sports games 100%, the last time I checked. 100%. So what difference does it make? Right. So, you know, I go back to the last caller. Maybe next week the Giants will be favored. Who cares? Who cares? Yep. What yep. difference does no, it thank make? Thank you. Who cares? I don't understand why that's even part of the conversation. How many reporters asked the players this week, so what do you think about the Jaguars being favored? No, they didn't. What exactly? I mean, if Jonathan was in that locker room, he'd probably, you know, he'd ask you, well, what do you think you know right. i mean what difference does it make i, did not I don't care. understand why we get so caught up in things that is minutia as i like to call it. it at the end of the day it doesn't hold any stock or substance into the outcome of the game at halftime they don't give the team that's trailing five <laughs> extra points to balance out the scale so what difference does it make i think fans just want to be respected who cares? Who cares? I know. I know. They're not. The NFL's not going to say your fan base feels disrespected, so we're going to give you three extra wins. It's, it doesn't it's matter. It's been a while since we've been good, so I'm sure oh, fans are like, "Can't God. you tell us we're good at this point?" No, see, no, see Lance. Here, here's the thing. See, other, it's un, unlike you, other how humans talk to other human beings when they're not doing radio. <laughs> and I yeah. think I, I, and I think their friends give them a hard time about stuff like this. So but, that's why the fans get involved in it. Even if my friends gave me a hard time about a team, I still wouldn't care. <laughs> I mean, that's just my perspective. I never let stuff that doesn't matter in the end influence me. Yeah. It's, it's a waste no. of time. I, and that comes back to mental discipline, right? Something we talked about before. All right, we got two calls we got to get to. I'm with you, Lance, 100%. Let's go to uh, Marty and Manahawk, and he's up next. Hey, Marty. Hey, John, how you doing? John, I'm not advocating for anything, but uh, the uh, McCaffrey deal, uh, does that more or less uh, give us an idea if, if, if we did pull the trigger with a deal for Saquon that nope. uh, would be like in that type of parameters? No, because Marty, Saquon's contract's up after the year. That's the difference. They, McCaffrey they have, got an extension. They, 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 they control McCaffrey now at a fixed cost, while and the Panthers, they absorb the entire signing bonus hit when you trade a player, right? Yeah. So the only thing the 49ers are paying is the base, which is a lot less than when you're also paying. It's the same, it's the same mechanics when the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr., right? right? The Giants had to absorb that 
salary cap hit on the signing bonus proration, and then the other team just has to take the base salary, salary, which is lower. So McCaffrey would have more value because, again, he's under that contract, where with Barkley... You're starting from scratch as he's going right. to be a free and agent. And you got to give him 50, maybe? How much do you, you got to give him a running new deal. back? Yeah. A new running uh, Excuse me. The best running back that's up. Right. How much are they worth right now in the league? It gets tricky. Right. Well, it depends because, Jonathan, how much do you take into consideration the lack of durability in previous years? Well, yeah, that you do always impact. take it in, but isn't it always whoever's the best and that's up? Well, whoever next that's up and that's probably one of the best, they get paid the most. All it takes is one team that's willing to pay the yeah, money. Right. It's all, of course. All or unless you have somebody in the draft that you just think is a better bang for your buck type of situation. And if you're picking high instead of spending money in free agency, maybe you decide to use a pick on that, you know, and then revisit and reset the clock four or five years later once the rookie contract expires. That could be another option. Yeah. Look, yeah, uh, just, just seeing. Go ahead. Just, go ahead. Just yep. seeing what's out there. Yeah, just seeing what's out there, though. I, I, I'm glad we have what we have. And, 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 uh, and Marty, by the way, I, I understand your question. The Giants are 5-1. and one. They ain't traded their best player, dude. <laughs> like, I should have led with that. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, it's, it's just like, what are they going to do? Like, all right, we're 5-1. and one. We enjoyed the first six games. Let's punt the season, boys. Pop. Like, that's not happening. No, no. And I don't think it will either, which, uh, you know, thank God. Yeah. You got anything else, Marty? No, that's it, buddy. Okay. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Billy in California. He'll wrap us up today. Billy. Hey, how you guys doing? What's up? All right. Hey, um, first time caller, a uh, little, little long time listener. Um, Thank you. Usually I catch you guys on my, uh, on my way home, uh, but I finally got to catch you guys live. So uh, really excited to get on. Great. Go ahead. What do you got, Billy? Floor is yours. Uh, so first thing I want to talk about was Kadarius Tony. With the uh, trade line coming up, and I'm not getting to trading him, I'm getting more to the fans. And there's rumors going around like, oh, we should get rid of Kadarius Tony. We should try to find someone else. I've got more uh, questions about that, Billy, and it's driving me absolutely nuts. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting pretty nuts. And so what I was kind of getting to is like, yes, he's injured. We get it. But like, so is Saquon Barkley. And I realize those are two different types of players. But we waited for Saquon Barkley to come back healthy. And obviously, it's paying us dividends. Um, so I'm just trying to like tell the fan base, like, calm down, let him get healthy, let him get back on the field with this new coaching staff, this new scheme. Like, who knows what could happen? Like, who knows what his, his ceiling is? Um, and I, I guess that, that's my main thing is like, hey, you know, fans, just calm down, let him get back. You know, Billy, I think and, and this lands, it brings me back to a conversation that we had last offseason when fans called and said, well, you know, you should trade Saquon now before he leaves as a free agent, get something back for him. And the point we made, well, the minimal amount you're going to get back for him coming off two or three injury-plagued years, early right. day three pick, and the upside of keeping him and him having a Saquon year was higher than whatever you could get back in a trade. Lo and behold, do you think there's one Giant fan that would go back in the time machine and trade Saquon Barkley for a fourth-round pick now back last March? <laughs> Ain't no one on this planet that would do that right now. So I think, Billy, that's kind of the point you're making, right? Well, and here's the other thing. I mean, no, what, do yeah, you re- what do you think you're going to get in return for Kadarius Tony right now? Yeah, right. Like, what is a team? All it takes is one, you mentioned, John. Okay, so let's say a team is interested in Kadarius Tony. Let's go down the hypothetical road. What are they going to give up for a guy that hasn't proven that he could stay on the field? for half a season so he's shown flashes but are you giving away a second round pick a first round pick no day three day three so so then if that's the case then 
what are the Giants? Are the Giants are in dire need of a fourth or a fifth round pick right now for Kadarius? Isn't it better to keep Kadarius Tony and see what you may be able to get out of him as opposed to just say, okay, well, we got an extra fourth or fifth round pick? What is that doing for that you? That would right be now? selling very low on it. Yeah. yeah. So there's no per- point. There's no purpose of doing that. You, you know. It's almost like you have the stock but- in your portfolio and it tanks. We don't just automatically sell the stock <clears throat> at the bottom. You want to have it build value right. back up again. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Before this year. I'm going to be honest. My point, especially because it, the you don't have long you don't have time to rebuild anymore, not in the NFL. The, the the I don't for some reason, these coaches especially here in New York, they've averaged 2 years. You can't rebuild a team in a year and a half. Some of these McAdoo was out in a year and a half. No, you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't rebuild a team. But what you could do, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, what the Rams did, of course, the Rams had a lot of draft picks. The Buccaneers had a lot of draft picks too over the years. But what did they do? How did they get better in free agency? I they, tra- and the Rams they trades, by the way. They traded their future away yep. to win right now. And and honestly, that's what I said the Giants needed to do. I said they need to get rid of Saquon. They need to get rid of Sterling. They need to get rid of Dane Jones. The reason why I said that because there's no time to build. They don't have no time. No one has any time, especially in New York. There's no patience. But – when you're winning, there's a little bit of time. That's when you buy time. Oh, this when group has win, bought themselves plenty of time when now. When you win. So now it's like they can basically do whatever they want right now. They're not getting rid of Saquon. No. That's not happening. No. But, you know, moving Kadarius Tony, whether you say you, you don't get any value for him, but maybe just moving him off the team is valuable enough. To give him a fresh slate and then to maybe, you know, give somebody else an opportunity. Perhaps. I I just think there's such a small sample size, Jonathan, even from the internal operation. Wouldn't you just want to see whether or not you can get him within your offensive scheme? I mean, they've barely seen a flash at this point. I, I would man, I'd be more I interested agree. in seeing what he, can come to fruition before I'd part ways with him. He's the only one I feel like in the league that moves like Lamar Jackson. You know how Lamar Jackson just stops? and just turns directions real quick. There's, like, Saquon's very explosive, but he doesn't do that. Kadarius Tony does. Yeah, I know. He does. Yeah. He's so sudden. He's so quick. He's a pinball. He's a blur. Yeah. He'll make a guy like me he'll play linebacker look <laughs> silly. I got to hit him when he's not looking. And, and just for the record, we have to say this. We're not advocating to move Tony. No, we're not, not at all. Trying. I want him to play. Yeah, there's not, we're not saying they're trying to trade Tony. They will trade Tony. This was just a hypothetical that the caller happened to bring up. Bill, you got anything else for us before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, this game coming up. And um, obviously, you know, the coaching staff has unlocked uh, Saquon back to his roots and being a premier rusher. But I was trying to see what does it take to get Saquon back to being that receiving back? Maybe I'm missing something, but it doesn't seem like he's catching as many passes out of the backfield, whether it's like an extension of the, the run game and the short passes or more towards the intermediate. Like how do we get him to be that pass catcher again? Good question, Billy. Thanks for the call. I think there are two reasons. One, the screen game hasn't clicked yet. They just haven't found that rhythm and timing yet in the screen game. And two, he's had to pass pro. Yep. Like, they leave the running back in the pass block needs to. a lot because he has to. Right. Now, maybe if the pass pro gets a little bit better, you could split him out wide. You could put him in motion. You could run those little arrow option routes in the middle of the field, and then maybe you can get something out of him. But when you throw the ball more, that that incurs more errors to happen, especially with a quarterback mm-hmm. who has made a lot of bad decisions in the past. And I think – they're just trying to protect Daniel Jones. Yeah. And when you protect Daniel Jones and you protect him from hurting himself, you eventually win games. 
you know, because of that. You know, Daniel Jones has lost games for the Giants in the past. He's won games for the Giants this year. And I think it's because of the philosophy that they have. And maybe that sacrifice is Saquon catching 90 passes in a year. Final thoughts, Lance. Well, and also screen game is timing, too. And if the timing is not right, then you could have those little hiccups. Ball goes off the fingertips of a running back, leads to an interception. So I still think they're working on those timing issues. With that being said, yes, he hasn't been that involved in those type of passes. But once again, he's still the leading receiver from a reception standpoint. How many receptions does he have, Lance? He has 21. Richie James has 19. So he's on on pace for just under 60 catches this year. Yeah, Yeah, but once again, it's all my point is it's all relevant. Relative right. to the state of the passing game. So right. you want more out of Saquon, but actually based on what they've thrown, <laughs> Saquon is still leading right. the way. By far, right? too. Good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so. if, you, if you look at the per- percentage of targets that have gone to him, it's actually probably a lot higher than what people think. Yeah, he has 26 targets. He has the most targets on the team. Yep. No. 24 for Richie James and Sterling Shepard, who's not playing anymore. Doesn't help that they've run through about 18 different wide receivers. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But once again, if, if you're going to call out you want Saquon to get yeah, more no, work, it doesn't strengthen it based on the fact he is the leading targeter and the leading receiver reception-wise right now. Everybody, thanks for being with us today. Giants TV, the Giants official connected TV streaming app, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. If you enjoyed this program, tune into our Bud Light Giants pregame show on WFAN on Sunday at 1130. It will be on both AM and FM, 660 AM, 101.9 FM as well. The three of us with Paul Dettino will preview the game, get you ready for kickoff, and then uh, we'll do a little postgame action with you too after the game. Thanks for being with us. For Jonathan, for Lance, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.